You're listening to the Power of Your Life podcast. I'm your host, Delena McMillan. Hey family, how are you? How are you doing this week? I've been praying for you all and I hope that you're doing well. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Um, So I joined a small group with my church recently and in last Wednesday we read about the parable of the sower that Jesus taught about in Mark chapter 4 verses 1 through 20 and we had a really great and insightful discussion about it. And just a quick side note, if you've ever thought about joining a small group um, at church, whether it's online or in person, I, I really want to encourage you to get plugged into one. I mean, it's such a blessing to have community where you can share and discuss the word of God and, and to just grow and be strengthened and just do life together, you know. So I want to encourage you to get plugged into a small group, an e-group, um, wherever that, you know, a church that you follow, um, is having those opportunities. I really want to encourage you to adopt yourself up a small group. It's really a huge blessing. It really, really is. So, um, the day after our meeting, our small group meeting was on Wednesday. So the next day on Thursday, I spent some more time reading and studying Mark chapter four, and it just really began to open up for me. I really, really love studying the Bible, and I get so excited when the Holy Spirit starts opening up things to me and breaking things down in a deeper way. So this passage may not be new for some of you, but I love sharing things that God reveals to me, so I wanted to share with you some things that I've learned. And this passage is is, is 20 verses, so I'm not going to read it all now for the sake of time, but... Um, I will do my best to kind of summarize without compromising the significance of the story, okay? And again, if you have time, read the whole passage yourself. Again, it's Mark chapter 4, verses 1 through 20. Um, Because I believe once you read it, it'll really become more clearer. And I think the Holy Spirit may reveal even more things to you as you study it for yourself. I just want to share some things that I believe God showed me. And then I hope, again, that it brings insight and understanding to you. So here we go. Okay. All right. So when we pick up in the story, Jesus is teaching a multitude of people by the sea and he teaches them the parable of the sower. So he says that a sower went out to sow and as he sowed, some seed fell by the wayside and the birds came and devoured the seed. Then there were other seed that fell on shallow soil that had rocks underneath the soil. The seed sprouted quickly, but when the sun came out, it was scorched. And because it didn't have any roots, it withered away. Then there were other seed that fell among thorns. Now, in this case, a plant did grow, but the thorns also grew and choked the plant so that the plant became unfruitful. And lastly, there were seed that was sown on fertile soil. That plant grew and produced a crop, some 30, some 60, and some 100-fold. So after Jesus taught this parable, 
He later was alone with his 12 disciples and some other people, and they asked Jesus what the parable meant. And he went on to explain that the sower, the farmer, was sowing the word of God. He plants seeds by taking the word of God to others. And he began to explain the meaning of the parable. He said that the seeds represent different kinds of people. And basically, this can be a metaphor for the condition of our hearts. Our heart is the soil that receives the living word of God. So in this first example, Jesus explains that the seed that fell by the wayside represents someone who hears the word, but Satan came immediately and snatched up the word before it had a chance to take root in their heart. Hebrews 4 verse 12 says, For the word of God is living and active and full of power. It is sharper than any two-edged sword, penetrating as far as the division of the soul and the spirit, the completeness of a person, and of both joints and marrow, the deepest parts of of our nature. And it, it exposes and judges the very thoughts and intentions of our hearts. Now, Jesus also said in uh, John chapter 10, verse 10, he says, the thief, who's the enemy, the thief comes only to steal, to kill, and to destroy. The enemy of our soul does not want us to receive the word of God. He knows that God's word is alive and full of power. And once it's planted, it will take root. And when it takes root, it will produce fruit in us and through us. And as we continue to receive God's word over time, it will renew our minds and bring transformation in our hearts and in our lives. God's word will will expose and destroy the lies of the enemy. God's word is anointed and breaks yokes. It tears down strongholds. It breaks chains. God's word is alive and powerful. So as we see here in this first example of the seed falling by the wayside, as soon as the person hears God's word, Satan immediately comes and steals it. Remember, he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Now in the second example, the seed that fell on rocky soil represents someone who heard the word, understood it, received it, and was blessed by it. And in this case, a plant did grow, but it grew quickly. And because there wasn't much soil, which is where the nutrients are that feed and nurture the word, they grew roots, but their roots didn't go deep because of the rocks. This could be someone that heard the word and they received it. It resonated, right? They may have even made the decision to start walking with God, and they were excited, you know. But while they were still fairly early in their journey, they got discouraged because they started to experience problems or trials, and they ended up pulling away from the Lord. The enemy will try everything he can to stop God's word from growing deep roots in our heart and producing fruit. He'll try to stop us from drawing close to God and learning our true identity as sons and daughters of God, as well as knowing the truth of who God is and 
to know that Jesus already defeated the enemy when he died on the cross and was raised up three days later with all power and authority in his hands. If the enemy can't snatch the word immediately before it takes root, he'll use circumstances or people to try and discourage us early in our walk so that we give up and walk away from God and forfeit our purpose and our destiny. When I first accepted Christ into my heart, I was in my early teens, about 12 or 13 years old. And I thought that I would never experience problems after that. I had already gone through so much pain and trauma. So in my naivete, I thought that God would somehow surround me with an invisible shield and would protect me and keep all the bad stuff away for the rest of my life. I was tired of hurting, you know. And so after a few years, I did turn away from God. I was hurt, I was angry, and I was confused. Well, I think I was more on the fringes with God, you know what I mean? Like, even though I wasn't actively pursuing a relationship with God, I still prayed sometimes. I read the Bible every once in a while. And the words that had already been planted in my heart was still there. I still had an awareness that God loved me and was with me. I just didn't want to commit to him anymore because I was confused, hurt, and angry. Can anybody else relate to that feeling? Relate to being there? Anyone feel like that right now? I understand. Um, I didn't realize until much later after that, that that notion of no longer having any problems, that unfortunately just is not realistic. I didn't understand and I wasn't taught that we're still living in this broken world. So unfortunately, we're still going to experience hard times. And when I continued to experience pain and suffering, I was confused. I didn't understand why God was allowing me to suffer with really bad and debilitating depression, why I was suicidal, why I had heartbreak, and why my family had so many issues. I've learned that even though I am living in this broken world, the truth is I belong to God. So I always had his divine protection and provision the whole time, even when it didn't make sense. And everything the enemy meant for evil to destroy me didn't prosper. The Bible says no weapon formed against you will prosper. We may experience pain, but again, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. So every weapon that the enemy forms against us is meant to take us out completely, to destroy us. But it won't work. And the pain that we experience, I know it's really hard. And I know no one wants to go through it. But God will heal it completely and use that pain and turn it into purpose. He will make everything work together for our good. That's his promise to us. So we have to have faith and trust in God. We have to stick with him along our journey. 
We can't give up and walk away when it gets incredibly hard and we experience pain. Our relationship with him, like with any new relationship, takes time to grow and develop. Again, that's why it's so important to be connected to a church and a community of believers that can help you along your faith walk. They'll help you grow and you'll have people in your life that love you and want to help you become all that God has called you to be. But you have to be willing to stick with it and not give up, even when life gets hard. That's when you can reach out to your community or church leaders for prayer and covering. They'll walk with you until the storm passes, and they'll pour into you and love on you with no judgment. They'll help strengthen you and give you support when you really need it. We talked about the heart of someone where God's word can't be planted because the enemy snatches it immediately. And we talked about the heart of someone who has some soil, but also has rocks underneath so that the word can't get in enough to develop deep roots. So when trouble comes, they get discouraged and walk away from God or perhaps put themselves on the outer fringes. The third example is the seed that fell among thorns, which represents someone who hears God's word. And like the person who seed fell on rocky soil, this person also grew roots. And I would guess in this case, they have deeper roots than the person with the rocky soil. And initially a plant grows, but the word gets choked. Jesus said it gets crowded out by the worries of our life, the lure of wealth, and the desire for other things, and they become unfruitful. So the thorns choked the word. To choke means to hinder the growth, development, or activity of something. So with this person, at some point in their journey, they were fruitful. But in the process of time, with all of the distractions that came in life, their focus was changed and the word they were hearing started to get choked out. The word became hindered from growing, developing, and producing fruit. To me, this was not an overnight thing. This is something that happens over a period of time. We, we have to be mindful that we are pursuing God with intentionality, intentionality and consistency. We can sometimes go through seasons of our life where we're really on fire and hungry for God, right? We can't wait to spend time with him, to study his word, to have conversations with him, to pray. But if we're not careful we can easily become distracted and begin to devalue our relationship with him. And it isn't necessarily something that we set out to do, but maybe we start to procrastinate a little bit or push off spending time with God for a later time. I've certainly done that. Maybe we're tired or we're just bogged down from all the things we deal with in our lives so that spending time with God is just no longer high on our priority list anymore. But this is another ploy of the enemy. He knows that if he can't stop us from communing with God and keeping him first in our lives, 
And if he can't discourage us so that we walk away, his other strategy is to distract us. If he can't stop us or discourage us, he'll distract us. All of this is designed to steal, kill, and destroy our purpose and our destiny. The scripture said that the word was choked because of the worries of this life, the lure of wealth, and the desire for other things. To me, this part of the scripture addresses the three key areas that we, be, that we can become distracted by. Let's touch on the worries of this life. God asks us to cast all of our worries and cares upon him because he cares for us. He loves us so much that he doesn't want us to be worried about anything. God is our heavenly father and he will provide for all of our needs. When we're worried about things in our life, in our family, what's happening in our nation and in the world, then we can become distracted by them. And it makes it difficult for God's word to be planted and flourish in our hearts and produce fruit, like the fruit of his peace, for example. The next area that Jesus mentioned in the scripture is the lure of wealth. I think that is so interesting that he specifically points out this one. But I also understand why. We can get so caught up sometimes, constantly being on the grind, chasing money, chasing material things, that we lose sight of our relationship with God. Those things become more important. Instead of seeking God first and pursuing our relationship with Him, we change our focus and start seeking wealth. We're distracted. And we stopped being diligent and consistent with nurturing our relationship with God. Jesus actually addresses this in Matthew chapter 6, verse 24. He says, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. So I can see why Jesus specifically mentions the lure of wealth as something that can choke the word of God after we hear it. Not only was the word choked because of the worries of this life and the lure of wealth, but also because of the desire for other things. Anything that we love more than God becomes an idol in our lives. It can be a thing or even a person. It can be food, TV, a relationship, a job, a car, a house, money, power, sex, your business, your identity. It can even be yourself. Yep. That's called self-idolatry. And what that means is if you value yourself, your ambition and your wisdom and your abilities That God gave you, by the way. If you value those things above God, then you're placing yourself above him in your life. All of these things are examples of idols. That may be hard to hear from someone, for someone. It's certainly hard for me to hear. But it's still the truth. 
the distractions that the enemy uses are very subtle. And that's why we have to be diligent and walk in discernment and be intentional with our lives. First Peter chapter five, verse eight says, keep your mind clear and be alert. Your opponent, the devil, is prowling around like a roaring lion as he looks for someone to devour. Again, if the enemy can't snatch the word immediately or discourage us so much that we walk away from God and therefore keep us from allowing the word to be planted deep in our hearts, then he will use distraction and choke the word so it can't be effective in our lives. The last person Jesus mentioned was someone whose heart has good and fertile soil. They hear and receive God's word and his word is rooted deep in their hearts and they produce fruit. The Bible says some 30, some 60, and some a hundredfold. It doesn't matter how much fruit they produced. What matters is they were fruitful and they multiplied which is something God wants for us all to be fruitful and to multiply. But in order for our hearts to be fertile soil, we have to abide in Christ. John chapter 15 verses one through eight is another great passage that talks about fruit. It's really, really powerful. And I hope that you make a note to go back and study it later. So in John chapter 15, Jesus says, God is like the vine dresser. He, Jesus, he is the vine and we are the branches. And if we are to be fruitful, we must abide in him. He says, apart from him, we can do nothing. Now, he also mentions in this passage that while we abide in him, we will go through pruning seasons. A pruning season is where God begins to cut away something in us or in our lives that no longer serves who we are now or where we're going. It can be a habit that may be hindering our growth. It can be a painful or traumatic event that God wants to heal down at the root so we can be free from it and move forward from it. God doesn't want that thing to prevent your growth. God can also prune relationships from our life. Some people just can't go with where God has taken us next. It's not that we're better than them, but God knows our hearts. And because he's omniscient, he knows what will happen down the road that could bring us pain or some kind of a setback. So he needs to remove that person from our life now. God can also prune a job. He can remove it from our life so that we have time to heal and rest and be prepared before he sends the next opportunity in our life. And let me tell you, pruning seasons don't always feel good. They can be uncomfortable because that thing or person could have been part of us and part of our lives for a significant amount of time. But It's a necessary process that we must endure if we are to go to the next level in our lives. In order for us to continue to produce fruit, we will always have to endure the pruning seasons. And God always gives us his strength and his grace to endure the pruning seasons. We are not going through those seasons alone. 
So back to the seed or the word of God and the soil of our hearts. For our hearts to become good and fertile soil, we must first come to Jesus. And then we have to remain in him and allow him to cultivate and enrich the soil of our hearts. It takes time and patience for our roots to grow deep in God. We have to be willing to stay and abide with him. Our life is a journey, and our life is not linear, right? We will have curves and bumps, hills and valleys. It also doesn't mean that we won't make mistakes, because we will. We're not perfect, right? But as long as we keep God first in our lives and be committed and consistent with communing with him and studying his word with the help of the Holy Spirit, We will abide in him, and as we abide in him, he will renew our minds and transform our hearts so that our hearts are enriched and becomes the kind of soil that continuously produces fruit and multiplies. I want to pause here, and I want to say that um, if you... If you feel your current journey relates with any of the examples that we discussed today, if you feel God's word is getting snatched up before it can be planted in your heart, or if you feel your heart has some rocky soil in it and his word may take root for a little while and you experience joy when you hear it, but because of life's challenges, you got discouraged, and made the decision to walk away or somehow ended up on the fringes with God. Or if you feel your heart has thorns in it and you've been fruitful at times in your life, but because of distractions, you subtly and slowly start to change your focus away from God and his word is no longer producing fruit in your life. If any of these scenarios resonated with you, I understand, truly. There's absolutely no judgment here, y'all. Not at all. I can sympathize and empathize with you. But I also want to encourage you. God loves you. He loves you unconditionally. He's not mad at you. He's not judging you or condemning you. He wants you to know that he sees you and he understands. He understands how you feel and why you feel the way you feel. He understands if you're confused or hurt or angry about things. He wants you to come to him. You can bring all of your confusion, your hurt, your anger, your pain, your guilt, shame, everything. You can bring all of that to him. He can handle it. I want to give you an opportunity to either come to God for the first time or to just come on back to him. Some of the beautiful things about God is not only is he love, but he's patient and he's rich in his mercy. Even when we walk away from him, he never walks away from us. He's still with us and has always been with us the whole time. 
Jesus promised he will never leave us nor forsake us. To forsake means to renounce or turn away from entirely, to abandon. Jesus will never abandon us, no matter what we've done, how bad it was, or how long we've stayed away. I referenced uh, John chapter 10, verse 10 earlier today, where Jesus says that the thief comes not only to steal, kill, and destroy. Well, he also said at the end of that verse, he said, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. He started the scripture telling us that we have an adversary seeking to destroy us, but he ended that scripture giving us hope, letting us know that he overcame the enemy. Jesus came so that through him, we would have life and life to the full, abundantly. He didn't just mean eternal life, but also a full life here on earth. He came so that we would have direct access and a deep personal relationship with God, our Heavenly Father. But to have this life, we have to accept Jesus into our hearts. Romans 10 verse 9 says, If we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, we will be saved. Your walk with God can begin or resume this very moment. So if this is you, just repeat after me. Lord Jesus, it's me. I believe you lived, you died, and you rose again just for me. Come into my heart. I make you Lord over my life. I'm yours. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If you prayed that prayer, this is such a special and powerful moment for you. God in all of heaven is rejoicing right now, and I am too. As I said earlier, it's really important that you get connected to a good church and to a community of believers that can help you along your journey. You can't and you should not do this alone. And please make the decision that you will stay committed and be consistent with pursuing your relationship with God. Hang in there. Even when things get tough, he's with you every step of the way. And you also have the help of the power of the Holy Spirit that will strengthen you, teach you, and guide you. I pray right now that God will bring you to the right church and the right people that will rally around you, support you, pray over you, pour into you, affirm you, build you up, and create an environment free of judgment and criticism, but instead be an environment in a healthy, safe space where you are encouraged to grow, to develop, dust yourself off when you make mistakes, because we all make them, and just walk alongside you as you walk with and become closer to God. I want to close out in prayer. Lord God, Thank you for this moment. Thank you for continuing to share your heart with us, teaching us more of who you are 
and also who we are in you. Jesus, thank you for sending your Holy Spirit to teach us and help us as we walk with you every day. Father, thank you for cultivating our hearts, tilling the soil and planting your word in our hearts. Not only do you plant your word, God, but you also water it. You cause it to grow deep roots and ultimately produce the fruit that you prepared for us before we were even born. Thank you for your goodness, Father. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your mercy. And Father, I pray for every listener. Thank you for the good work that you began in them. And thank you for completing that work that you started. And Father, if someone prayed today to accept you into their hearts, or if they made the decision to come back home to you, I rejoice and I give you praise. I pray that they will begin to experience your presence in so many beautiful and powerful ways. I pray for their healing, Father. I pray for their deliverance. I pray for yokes of bondage to be destroyed in Jesus' name. Because you are also Jehovah Jireh, I also pray that you provide for every need of everyone listening and for everyone that is connected to them. Bless them with your peace, Lord. Bless them with your power, your strength, your wisdom, and your grace. I ask all of this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Okay. Thanks so much for listening, y'all. We talked about a lot today. We covered a lot of ground. Um, And I hope something that was said today really blessed you. I always get so excited when God reveals to me what he wants to share share with, with you guys. Um, because I know that it's for a reason, right? And I always say it's not only for you guys, but it's also for me too. So, you know, I get blessed by it every single time as well. And I want to ask you to please share this or any episode that you heard with someone that you think might also be encouraged and strengthened by it. And also, I'd like to hear from you. Connect with me on social media. Let me know if any of my podcasts are blessing you and let me know if it's adding value to your life or if you have any questions, my links, you can find them in the description. So please reach out to me, okay? And follow me on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. You can turn on the notifications and that way you'll be notified when the future episodes do do come through. I'm praying for you, family. Let's continue to cover each other in prayer, okay? So until next time, take care of yourself. God bless you. Bye.